we are in a series called First Things. It's uh, the priorities of the Christian life. And I don't know if you noticed this, but this series, we've kind of also backed into a vision series as a church. We've, um, at the beginning of the year, we always celebrate another year of life in our church. We were, we were born as a congregation on January 10th, 2010. And so every January, we kind of look back and uh, we do a vision series. This year, this vision series has been different. We've been calling it first things and we've basically been backing into the things and the ideas and the principles that have shaped us as a church community since the beginning. And the first week we talked about faith and the requirement of faith and um, without faith it's impossible to please God and what faith is and what faith isn't. And then the week after that we talked about following Jesus, being a disciple of Christ and what that means to take up our cross and follow Jesus. And then last week we talked about worship and the subject of how when we come together we are tapping into a eternal and ultimate reality that's going on for eternity. And it, it like, it's like that old hymn says, the world grows strangely dim in the light of your glory. And that's what we talked about last week. Today, I want to talk with you about the subject of ministry. Ministry. So Romans chapter 12, if you're there. Um, last week, I kind of poked fun at Romans 12.1. So I'll use that as a little context. And then I'll jump down to verse 3, Romans 12.3, and read um, down till verse 13. So follow along with me, Romans 12.1, and then 3 through 13, and then I'll pray. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This, Paul writes, is your true and proper worship. All of your life is to be worship. Verse 3. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment, in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body. And each member belongs to all the others. We all have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. That is God's word. It's beautiful scripture. Gosh. Wow. Clapping. Someone wants to clap for that scripture. Come on. One body, guys. If someone claps, we all join in in that clap. Um. Let me, let me pray. Jesus, thank you for this, uh, this church body that is gathered um, under, uh, under the scriptures, under, um, the, uh, under the spirit, under the authority of Christ. And I pray this morning that this congregation would be your body. You are the head, Jesus, and we would be a healthy, obedient, functioning, faithful body that is able to participate in what you're doing in the world 
that we would be able to care for each other, that we would pay attention to each other, that we would listen to each other, that we would minister to each other. I pray that ministry would not just happen from this stage this morning, but ministry would happen in the rows, happen on the carpets, it would happen on the prayer team. It would happen as we minister to one another. It might happen through things, um, uh, words of prophecy, words of knowledge, uh, uh, impressions of prayer, sort of words of encouragement, however it happens, or real practical things. Maybe you're calling us to, to help someone out financially or, or to serve someone in a certain way. Whatever it is, may there be body ministry happening today. And for, me, for here on out, Lord, that's, that's what this is about. And so would you do that? Would you accomplish this work in your church today and help me communicate these things? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, last week we talked about the subject of worship and specifically musical worship and praise and song. And wow, it was incredible. Like if you were not here last Sunday and you just got like the podcast, you missed out big time. Like... I feel bad for you. It was incredible. Um, it was an incredible gathering of like response to God and musical praise and worship and what God did, especially like Sunday night. Um, if you got, did anyone go to Sunday night last week? Sunday night church? The prayer carpets was a full on dance floor. Not joking. First time it's ever happened. I don't even know if it's allowed, but it happened. <laughs> on Sunday night, it was crazy. It was so, so enjoyable. It was just one of those gatherings where I was like living off the memory of it all week long. There's something about the gathered church um, worshiping. Um, when we gather, something that God can accomplish by His Spirit, it can lift us up for a moment and that moment can change us from the inside and give us a fresh perspective of ultimate reality. And we can choose to these moments that, to make decisive decisions about our life with God and turn to Him in all matter of ways. And it's beautiful and it's great and I love it. But the gathered church, worship, songs have gross limitations. Sometimes a great church gathering with incredible time and musical worship, prayer, and the scriptures can feel a lot like a good movie. A good movie lifts you up from your present world, takes you from, to another place for like two hours, but then the, the, the credits roll and the lights come back on. And you go, have you ever been, seen a good movie and the lights come on? You're like, well, what do I do after that? Like, I, I feel like that movie, cha like something changed inside of me because I saw that. And you're like, well, and you have to like throw away your popcorn and your soda and like walk out to your car or whatever, or get, get into a car. Like, it's just, it feels really strange. I remember um, uh, hearing years back when James Cameron's movie Avatar came out. You guys remember that movie? Um, when that came out, it was making all kinds of fans depressed after watching it. Because the movie world was so beautiful and so good that they couldn't face the real world after they saw the movie. They hated it. There was, actual, there was an actual fan site created called Ways to Cope with the Depression of the Dream of Pandora Not Being, tang or being Intangible. Like maybe you were on, some of you were on this site. Like there's people that were seriously depressed that that world was not the real world they lived in and they didn't want to go back to their normal world. Actually, uh, on that thread, some 17-year-old sad kid from Sweden wrote this. <laughs> Literally, he wrote this. When I woke up this morning after watching Avatar for the first time yesterday, the world seemed gray. It was like my whole life, everything I've done and worked for lost its meaning. It just seemed so meaningless. I still don't really see any reason to keep doing things at all I live in a dying world. <laughs> I 
th that, okay. Now, yeah, okay, so that, I hope, I mean, it's been 10 years, I hope he's doing a lot better now. Like, I hope so. I think this is kind of how a lot of us might feel after a powerful time in God's presence together. Like this really amazing thing happens in the room. And maybe some of you know this already and you kind of get cynical about the whole thing at the very beginning. Music comes on, lights go down, you're like, oh, I know what, he's I know what there's going on here. And you get cynical, you know, like the lights are going to come on in two hours, guys, and it's going to be a whole different thing. You have a time where God feels so near, the ultimate reality comes at you with clarity during congregational worship and so real that your world seems depressing, even thinking about stepping back into it. And I've been there. But I believe that's not the way it's supposed to be. I believe the way it's supposed to work is that when we get in God's presence and connect to ultimate reality in gathered worship, we get to see what ultimate reality is and then take our lives and try to make that world a reality here and now. So we see what God, who God is and what God's doing and we try to take who God is and what God's doing in the world and we try to work that in to the reality of the body of Christ now. But the question is, how do we do that? How do we do that? And I believe the answer is in our text before us. And the best um, word I can use to describe what Romans 12 is talking about is ministry. Ministry, right? Write that word down, ministry. That you and I would be in ministry. Ministry, through ministry, we make the ultimate reality of God's kingdom a reality in the world. It, ministry is, is whatever we experience in worship, whatever we experience when we're deeply connected with God in his world, ministry is taking that world and making it in reality into our world. Now, you may have tuned out and think that this is irrelevant since you are not in ministry. You're like, oh no, I'm not, it's not my sermon. This is not for me. I'm not in ministry. Like, Dave, that you do that and that some other people do that and then my community group leader does that or whatever. I want to I want to tell tell it to you as clear as I can, as as honest as I can. Everyone is in ministry. Every single one of you. If you're brand new to this church and you're a follower of Jesus, you are in ministry. If you're a young Christian, if you are a super mature Christian, and you were like in full time ministry at one time, and now you retired, you're like I like going to this church. You are in ministry. Every single person in this room is in ministry. If you are a follower of Jesus, you are in ministry. Fundamental to who you are as a disciple, we talked about this two weeks ago, and fundamental to who you are as a worshiper, we talked about this last week, is your role in ministry. So what is ministry? Well, ministry, the Greek word in the New Testament that is often translated ministry is uh, diakona. And the basic meaning of that word is service. So ministry is basically service. So to be in ministry is to be basically a servant. You and I, if you are followers of Jesus, are servants. Jesus made this abundantly clear to his first group of disciples when he said this. The greatest among you will be your servant. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Ministry is a is, is service, but it, ministry is also a specific kind of service. Ministry is a carrying forth of Christ's mission in the world. So you are servants of carrying forth Christ's mission in the world. So to Paul, what he means by this, he uses his favorite metaphor for the church. And he says the church is basically Christ's body. 
and Christ is the head, and the church is his body. Okay, does everybody understand this metaphor? We are the body, Christ is the head. This is a really great metaphor. Now, the head can't get things done without the body, right? The metaphor actually is pretty rich. Um, hang with me, stick with me as I like, try to unpack this metaphor. Um, for some of you, this is not new information, but maybe, maybe part of it might be uh, refreshing. So just listen for a second. Ministry is when the church together participates in the work of Christ for the sake of the world. When the church itself works together and Christ has to be the head. So there are three things I believe happening when we think of uh, the church functioning as Christ's body. And the metaphor is, is beautiful. First, we have to do what the head says. Meaning Christ is the head and we are the body. He is the head. He is the mind. He is the heart. He is the actions and the reactions. All of that come from him. So we, as a church, must stay connected to him. Now, it's silly to think, but if we had a rogue arm just doing what it wants to do and the mind was like, stop doing that thing, that would be just uh, silly, right? But that is, that is what the church does when the church doesn't stay connected to the head. What if the church just started doing this rogue stuff? And Jesus is like, no, that's not what I want my body to do. And you're like, nope, we're doing this thing. We like this thing. We like doing whatever this thing is. I don't know why my arm's doing that, but whatever, right? So the, the, the body, us, must stay, I would say even very individually, we must stay very connected to Jesus. We must stay connected to him to go, what do you want to do in the life of this church? Which is the very reason why we're gathering tomorrow night at Annual Vision and Prayer. How does the body every single week stay connected to the head? How does the body every single day, every single minute, how do we as a church stay connected to the head that is Christ? Second, the second part of this metaphor is the body has to care for itself to be of any use in the world. Okay, so think about this. We have to, uh, if, if, I, if our bodies are to be of any use in the world, we have to like take care of our bodies. We're no use if we're just like, if, if we've destroyed our physical bodies. Imagine like maybe this last week you've had the flu or something. And when you have the flu, your body is sick, you're not that, you're not that helpful to anyone. If you were a mom and you had the flu, you're like, how do I be a mom and have the flu? Those two things are really hard to do at the same time. Like if you've had the flu, you're like, I, my body isn't functioning. I am no good to anyone. If, our, if we're the body and Christ is the head and we're sick, this church is sick, we're of no use to the world. So we must remain healthy. Well, how do we remain healthy? One of the ways that Christ gives us to remain healthy is that we care for each other. So if you think of self-care as like, hey, how do I care for my body? So my body could be the, the best use to the world. Think of the, the church the same way. How can our church have, have like this internal sort, sort of self-care ministry going on where we're caring for each other so that our church together could be the best use in San Francisco? Okay, so how do we care for, how do we meet each other's needs? How do we have patience with each other? How do we forgive each other? How do we pray for each other and minister to each other and listen to each other well? How do we make sure that in the church that we are in healthy relationship, that every member of this church is being cared for so that the whole body is actually healthy so that we could be who we're supposed to be in and for the life of San Francisco, okay? So second, the body must remain healthy. Third, we, the church, are literally the body of Christ in the world. Like literally. Now, 
Christ is no longer physically on this earth, or is he? Is Christ physically on this earth or not? You would go, no, 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 he's not. He went, he ascended to heaven. No, no, that's not, that's, that, there's a part of that's true, but there's a part of that that's not true. He actually left his physical body behind in the church. You and I are literally the body of Christ. Where are the hands of Christ and the feet of Christ and the voice of Christ and the eyes of Christ and the ears of Christ and the healing power of Christ and the gospel of Christ? Where is all that taking place? If it's not taking place through Christ's body, it's not taking place. So if we say this, Christ is the only hope for San Francisco. And we would say yes and amen. As a church, we'd say yes and amen to that. What is the only hope for this world? What is the only hope for San Francisco? Jesus. Okay. How does Jesus do his work? Answer, his body. So it stands to reason that the hope for the world is actually the church. Now, you might go, well, you're taking it too far. <laughs> this, is, this is like literally what uh, Paul and Peter are trying to get into the churches that they're writing to. Do you realize who you are in a community? Do you realize that you are literally the body of Christ? You are, he's the head, you're the body. The head wants to get all kinds of things done in your city, but the body is not cooperating. If Jesus is the hope for the world, he's using his body. You and I, you and I have to actually feel the weight of that responsibility. The things that we hope for Jesus to do in this world, most of the time the answer is, okay, let's go do that. Jesus, would you go and all of this, like this tension and, and with the homeless community, would you bring? And Jesus like, okay, let's go do something about that. And we, we spend time like, Jesus, your spirit will do what? Will just automatically wave a wand and change everything? Uh, not, that's kind of not, it happens sometimes. But rarely does that happen. It's the church is actually like this change agent in a city that starts to live a different way, that becomes the body of Christ in a city, that actually changes the city. That you, 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 you and I are the body of Christ, okay? So now, those three ways, I think the, the body metaphor that Paul uses here in Romans is a rich metaphor. That you and I all individually and corporately stay connected to Christ the head. That you and I care for each other to make sure that we're healthy, that the church is healthy. And that you and I are the body of Christ, the hands and feet of Christ in a city. Okay, that's, that's, that, I think the metaphor has enough elasticity to stretch like that. That's, I, I believe that's what the New Testament writers are saying when they use this metaphor. Now, how are we to minister and serve according to this text before us? How do we serve as Christ's body? How do we minister as Christ's body. How do we do this individually? How do we do this corporately? So three things. And I want this to be very practical. So three ways that we do this, I believe, from this text. One, ministry through listening, ministry through serving, and ministry through character. I think this is what's going on in Romans 12. Ministry through listening, ministry through serving, and ministry through character. First, ministry through listening. Look at verse 3. Do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each one of you. So first off, what you see here is that God is the giver of gifts. He's the one who distributes faith and ministry. He's the one who is at work in and through uh, our lives for the sake of the world. In other words, ministry is never your ministry. 
Don't think of yourselves more highly than you are. It's not your ministry. All ministry is Christ's ministry. He distributes his ministry to each of us. So he's doing something in the world. And what he does is like, I'm doing something in the world. And I want you to play your part in it. It's his ministry, not our ministry. Therefore, ministry is not asking God to bless us as we do things in his name. Ministry is not like God... Bless me as I lead a community group. God, bless me as, I, as I'm a mom. God, bless me as I share the gospel in the TL. That's not ministry. Ministry is participating in Christ's ongoing ministry as he offers himself to others through us. That's what ministry is. Ministry is participating in what Christ is already doing. And as he wants to offer himself to the world through us. Now, this is only... This is why this is important. Ministry starts uh, through listening because we have to slow down in our lives long enough to hear what Christ might want to say to us and how he wants to, us to participate in his ongoing ministry. Think of this as a, as a mom or a dad. Christ is already at work in the life of your child. And Jesus is at work in the life of your child. He was at work in the life of your child when it was in, still, the child was still in your womb. It will, he will be uh, a part of uh, an, an ongoing ministry in the life of your child all the way to glory. Jesus is already involved in the life of your child. And as a parent, it's vital to slow down long enough to listen how you might participate in Christ's ongoing ministry to your child. As Christ offers himself to them through you. It's slowing down long enough to go, what ministry are you, are you actively doing in the life of my child right now? And how do I slow down long enough to hear and join in that ministry? The same goes with being a spouse. When you're, when you're married to someone, Christ is at work in your spouse's life. And most of the time you want that work to go a lot faster than... <laughs> than um, that's, at least my wife tells me that, right? So um, you want that work to go a lot faster. And, but you have to slow down to go, what is Christ actively doing in the life of my spouse? And how do I join in that ministry? It's his ministry, not my ministry. The same goes with being a community group leader. The same goes for being anything that you, this is not your ministry. Christ's ministry, and we have to listen to him how he might want you to participate on any given night, on any given day, on any given time that you're involved in ministry. This is one of the ways that we get really tired and burnt out is that we believe it's our ministry to do. Oh, like my job at work and the ministry I have at my job, the ministry I have at community or whatever your ministry is. The reason why you get burnt out is you think it's your thing to do. And then you're the one making it happen. Every single time this, uh, the ministry of the church becomes a burden to me, like a deep, deep, heavy burden where I can't. I can't get any sleep over it, is when I think I have to do it. And Jesus is like, it's not your church. It's not your ministry. I'm at work in the life of people. You're not even with them most of the time. I am. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> the same can be true of the, whatever ministry you serve in. A lot of you have a tremendous ministry in where you work. And you get so burdened that things aren't happening at your, it's not your ministry. Christ's ministry, and he's, he's, he's with the people that you're working with long after you're with them. He knows what he's doing in their lives, and you join in that. Now, I'll tell you, real lasting and deep ministry happens when we begin with listening. When we show up as ministers of the gospel with the posture of listening, how, when we show up going, Lord, Jesus, how 
can I participate in your ongoing ministry? How can I participate in what you're doing and the life, the life of other people? How can I participate in that? When you start thinking, when you start seeing the world that way, um, you walk the streets and you see, um, you know, any way that you want to participate. You walk into your apartment building or your job or this church. When you start asking yourself, Lord, what are you already doing? What were you already doing before I walked in this building? And how can I participate in that? That, that is how we should be showing up. A couple of months ago, a friend of mine who goes to this church told me a story. And he said it happened during the four-minute meet and greet. And he said, which, you know, he, we've talked about this before. He admittedly hates it. He hates that part of the service, right? He's, he, he's, he's more introverted. And he likes deep conversation, not small talk. So four minutes is like horrible for him. He's like, I, I want an actual conversation, not a, hey, hey, hi, what's up? You know, that sort of thing, which I love those conversations, right? So anyway, <laughs> he was sitting there and someone came up to him um, and he was polite and he said, hi, you know, and then there was kind of this awkward silence. And the person that came up to him said, never met him, never seen him even afterwards, came up to him and said, um, he said, I came up to you because I think God wants me to pray for you about depression. Four minute meet and greet, okay? Like you're like, whoa, bro, save that to the second set. You just don't bring that up during four minutes, you know, whatever. Lights are on still. You can see me, that sort of thing, you know? But like said that, like I want to pray. I feel like led to pray for you about depression. And my, my friend said, I didn't say anything about this. I mean, I didn't look necessarily depressed or anything. But I, this was something that I had been wrestling with for weeks and weeks and weeks, like deeply, like more than I've ever had before. And he said that, that, that moment of this, of this person, he's like, it might be even an angel. I have no idea. I've never seen this person uh, then or since, um, led him to like, uh, turn, this really turned things around for him in his life. Like th that moment right there. And I was sitting there listening. I'm like, oh, if, if we all kind of were able to show up to church with like, Lord, what, what are you doing and the people like around me already? And may, maybe I can join in that today. Like that, that's, that's body ministry. If you come to go, I wonder what the sermon's going to be on. I wonder who's teaching. And I wonder if music will be great. That's just not, that's not church, guys. That's like, that, that's just part of church. That is a thing. But that's not, church is like showing up going, Lord, what are you already doing in this body? And then how can I, are you calling me to participate in any way? Are you calling me to like help clean up the church? Are you me, calling me to like to hold a baby that's crying? Are you telling me to go pray for someone? Are you encourage someone, look them in the eye and go, God sees you? Or like, what is the thing? Are you walking into this place going, Lord, your, this is your ministry, not my ministry. This is your church, not my church. How can I participate in your ongoing work in people's lives? That is ministry. That is what this church, I hope, becomes. I hope that's what happens in this church. I hope that you guys don't come to this church. You're like, oh my gosh, this or that. But like body ministry happens. because You never know what's going to happen when you walk into church. Because someone might come up to you and know everything about your life. And you didn't say a word. And it really scares you. But you know God sees you. And God knows where you're at. And God knows what's going on. Now, I love that. And by the way, any, anyone can participate in this ministry. You don't have to be like, a Christian that's been around for like 50 years. You don't have to, you, anyone who's a follower of Jesus can participate in this ministry today. All you have to do is listen and obey. It's that simple. Listen and obey. I love that this church um, knows 
uh, knows that I need you as, as the body of Christ as much as you need me. I need your ministry towards Ash and I as much as you need uh, my ministry towards you all. Like it's a, it's a symbiotic thing. I, I mean, I appreciate all the prayer and the words and support Ash and I have received in this last season. I love when people come up humbly and say they feel like they're led to pray for me. Like, I I just feel led to pray for you. Or they have a scripture for me. Or they want to help in some tangible way. Like, I feel like I'm not just here doing this thing and pastoring the church. And then you guys are just like, it's like this symbiotic thing. I want that to happen in every corner of our church. I hope that every single person in our church gets to experience someone who feels like God has led me to pray for you. I hope that happens in community groups. I hope in... Now, Before I come off this point, allow me to flip this around a little bit. Not only does ministry involve listening to God, ministry involves listening to each other. Okay? Meaning all of us have these, a lot of us have storied pasts and we we need to talk about them. Dietrich Bonhoeffer in his excellent book, Life Together, which is basically about living life in in community, like literal community, like you live in in a communal living, uh, Christian communal living. He, he says that he has a whole chapter called service or ministry. And he said this. He says at the first, the first service, he says one owes to others in the Christian community. The first thing, the first act of ministry that you and I owe each other is listening to each other. He says this. He says, quote, those who cannot listen long and patiently will always be talking past others. And finally, will no longer even notice it. Those who think their time is too precious to spend listening will never really have time for God and others, but only for themselves and for their own words and plans. One of the great ways, you know, if you created space and discipline to listen to God is if you've really made space to listen to others. And if you want to practice listening to God, practice by listening to others. Listening is such an important part of ministry. The second thing, ministry through serving. Now, I, we, this shouldn't have to be a point because it's so obvious, but I'll make, I'll make the point anyway. The very, the very way Jesus wanted his disciples to think about themselves was as a servant. The way that he wanted them to picture themselves. Think of that. Like, I want, here's how I want you to think about yourself. I want you, when you look in the mirror, I want you to think that you are a servant. See, the way up is down in the economy of God's community. The greatest among you will be a servant. I don't know why this is, but there's some, maybe there's something about me. For as long as I remember, I can remember, um, people have always mistaken me for the for working at the places that I shop or something. <laughs> Happens all the time, no matter where I'm at. I can be in Home Depot, and like like, oh, do you know where that? I'm like, I I don't I don't I don't work. I'm not wearing orange. I don't work here. <laughs> I don't all the, everywhere. Like like Costco. I can be in a store in Paris. People walk up like I'm like I. I, I, don't, I don't work here. And, I don't, and every single time that happens, there's a part of me that wants to say, like, I don't work here. I shop here and there's a difference. Like, I don't, I'm not, I'm not your, there's, I think when I, when I really go down, like, what makes me maybe angry about that is, like, I don't, I'm not here to serve you. I think if I was being completely honest. I think some of that is, like, resi, like a racial residue thing for me as well, being Mexican. I think, like, I don't, I, we work everywhere. I don't work here. Like, I... <laughs> Like, I think there's part of me that's like, like, like that's, I'm like, I'm not, I'm not here. That's not, not, that's not why I'm here. But I think there's some of that in my flesh, to be completely honest. I'll be like that when I'm treated like a servant, I, I don't like it in my flesh. 
Um, and this is uh, something that God has deeply worked on me on and still is working on me. There's a big difference between choosing to serve and choosing to be a servant. When you choose to serve, when you sign up to serve somewhere, when you choose to serve, we can set the terms and see if it fits into our schedule. Look, I want to serve there. What's the commitment, A, B, and C? Hmm, I think I give myself to that. And, and, oh, but I can do the A schedule, not the B schedule. And I can show up this way, but not that. And don't expect this. And you show up on your terms. You're like, here, I am here to serve. But when you choose to be a servant, you give up the right to be in charge. When you, when you show up as a servant, you're like, uh, I'm, I'm here to be a servant, not to serve. To be a servant. And how, whatever that means, how can I serve, right? My wife and I have this, like, running joke on Sundays. Um, whenever I, I get home from church, whatever, she's like, Dave, you know, you take, take out the trash. And I'll just hold up my hands. I'm like, today, these hands are for the Bible. <laughs> so, and she, and she doesn't laugh anymore. She used to laugh, but <laughs> she doesn't laugh anymore. It's like, we, we think we kind of choose the way we want to serve. And so even if you serve in certain areas, like, oh, I, I, don't, I don't do that. You are a servant of Jesus. Like, you are a servant. You will do whatever Jesus tells you to do. You will do whatever needs to be done, and you will do it with joy. And this is, this is the, how Jesus wants us to, like, honestly wants us to become like. To where you show up at your, the way where you work, and you show up as a servant. Not, I'm not just talking about church, by the way. I'm not saying that you show up to church as a servant. Disciples of Jesus are to be servants. You show up to work. I don't care what your position is. You are called there to be there uh, to be a servant there. How, and, and in your life, that like grades against your flesh. It's supposed to. It's supposed to. The ministry of Jesus should be crucifying your flesh every single day. When you are in ministry of Christ. Every day you show up like, Jesus, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in your ministry. And I just happen to be working in this startup or this thing. Or I'm a mom, stay at, I'm, I, I work, I'm a stay-at-home mom. I'm a stay-at-home dad. I do, whatever it is that you do, I'm in full-time, actual, full-time, literal ministry. Whatever you do, you show up as a servant. And you show up and it crucifies your flesh every single day. Richard Foster said this. Um, Nothing disciplines the inordinate desires of the flesh like service. And nothing transforms the desires of the flesh like serving in hiddenness. That last point is so good. Like sometimes we serve, we're like, I'm done serving. You're like, <laughs> I've done it. Like that sort of thing. Like no, when you serve, you serve in hiddenness. And no one, no one knows about it. So this list that Paul writes here, um, verse 6 through 8, it's all about doing your gift. And so let me say this in this church. Do your gift here. Do your gift. If your gift is hospitality, we need you to open your space up. If your gift is leadership, we need you to lead. The church needs you to lead. Pioneers need, need to start pioneering. Serve, people who are gifted in service need to serve here. Administration, use your gifts to get us organized. Teaching, start teaching. Giving, start giving sacrificially. Shepherding, start caring for others pastorally. Compassion, get involved in compassion ministry. Do your gift here. Now, what if you don't know it? You're like, oh, I don't know my gift. One, seek God. Ask God. Like, God, what is my gift? Search your own heart. What gets you really, really excited about God's kingdom? What gets you really excited? That's probably your gift. 
check with your friends in your community. Ask them, what do you think my gifts are? If you are still not sure, here it is. This is going to be radical. Just do something. <laughs> like, just do something. Like, try something out, right? Go through a discovery phrase. Like, have your little discovery teenage years, but have them, like, in... Have them in a place where you're like, I want to find my spiritual gift. I want to find what, how God has gifted me. But, but listen, that still doesn't keep you from being a servant. Now, some of you guys need time to heal. Some of you guys are in a wounded place. You, maybe you've served a ministry and you've been really hurt by the church. Maybe you've been really hurt by this church. And you're like, I need a break from ministry. And it's good and valid reason to stop ministry for a while. But listen, healing is temporary. Amen. Just like surgery. When you heal up from surgery, the whole point is not to stay in recovery forever on a hospital bed. No, getting back in the game will actually help you in the healing process. So when you get surgery, you go see a physical therapist like, hey, we have, you have to start walking. Now you're like, I don't, it hurts. Yeah, it, that's part of the healing process. So, so for some of you, you guys have been like not serving for a while. Like I, I needed to heal. Well, okay, you, you, you need to get back in the part of your healing process. Well, if you stay away too long from ministry, you'll start to atrophy. If you stay away for too long from ministry, it'll, you'll, 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 the spiritual muscles that you created will start to die. So Thomas Merton says, my soul does not find itself unless it acts. Therefore, it must act. Stagnation and inactivity bring spiritual death. Maybe you felt stagnation in your soul and your spiritual life with God. Act. Start doing something. Lastly, ministry through character. Here's what I'm not asking you to do here. I am not asking you to check the box. I know we're a very strategic sort of city that type A people are like, tell me what I need to do to be a good Christian. Like, sir, done, check. I checked that box. Or some of you guys are like, he's destroying people, but I actually have already been serving, so I'm killing it right now. I've checked that box, right? Ministry is not a box you check. Our lives in community is a huge part of ministry. Our, 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 the way that we actually show up in community, the way that we live in community, the way that we actually show up to minister is a huge, important part of ministry itself. Ministry through character, I think, is, is everything. So I'm going to read um, verses 9 through 13 again. And I'm going to make a little a comments along the way. And this, I think, Paul is talking about how you and I minister. So... Let me just read through this. Verse 9. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Ministry is not about how you feel. It's about what's right and what's good. Do right. Cling to the good no matter how hard ministry is. Be devoted to one another in love. Ministry doesn't have time, time frames to it. Seasons of ministry, yes, but not time frames. You, never, you are never not devoted to each other. Ministry is about devotion, devotion to each other that outweighs the burden of living life out together, the heavy burden of living life with other people. Be devoted. Honor one another above yourselves. Ministry is not about you. It's about how you can honor the person who's across from you, above yourself. Discipline yourself to deny yourself through ministry. Allow ministry to crucify your flesh every day so that you can become more and more like Christ. Never be lacking in zeal but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Ministry is the most beautiful thing you can give your life to. Like you have to remember that. The ministry of Christ is the most beautiful thing. It is a joy. So do it with joy. 
Do it with hope. Do it with fervor. And remember, ministry is not about your results. You may never see the results of your ministry that you are in. You, you may never get an attaboy from anyone. You may never get a card from your leader saying, thank you for serving. You may never be recognized in your service. That is not the point of service. The point is serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope. Yes. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. This trifecta is so good. This trifecta, joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer, will keep you in ministry for the long haul. In your hope for how you want to participate in Christ's ministry, let the joy of the Lord be your strength. In your affliction in ministry, because ministry destroys you sometimes, be patient. God will richly, richly reward you. And your prayers for what God might do through ministry as you partner with him, be faithful. Keep praying. Keep praying. And lastly, share with the Lord's people who are in need and practice hospitality. Ministry is sharing. And it's ultimately about sharing your life with other people. So no matter if you are an introvert or an extrovert, open your life to other people. Let them in. Practice hospitality. As we close, there's a prayer that I've been um, meditating on for a while, like since my sabbatical. And um, it's the Alcoholics Anonymous morning prayer. Now, I'm not an Alcoholics Anonymous, but this prayer is so good. A friend of mine gave it to me because um, of the first line of this prayer. And um, I think we're all in recovery in certain ways, and I think this prayer is really good for us. But I like the end of this prayer because, um, well, I'll get to it in a second. Let me just read it to you, and I'll pray. The prayer goes like this. God, direct my thinking today so that I'd be empty of self-pity, dishonesty, self-will, self-seeking, and fear. I try to pray that every single morning might be one of those words that stick out more than others. Maybe it's self-pity. Maybe you wallow in self-pity. Maybe it's dishonesty. You're a, you're, you're a genuinely a dishonest person. Maybe it's self-will. You want to do what you want to do. Maybe it's self-seeking. Everything that you do is for yourself. Maybe it's fear. You're so driven by fear and what other people think. Direct my thinking that it be free of those things. God, inspire my thinking, decisions, and intuitions. Help me relax and take it easy. I say, help me take up the easy yoke. Free me from doubt and indecision. Guide me through this day and show me my next step. I say, make me spirit-led. God, give me what I need to take care of any problems. I say, help me have difficult conversations. And then this last line. I ask all these things that I may be of maximum service to you and to my fellow man. What I love about this is this. By the way, sobriety is mentioned in this Romans 12 passage. Like, right, he says that you are to be sober in your judgment, right? So, so as we are all going after a, a, a different, maybe all of us, a spiritual sobriety, this is not just for us. When we, when we become the kind of people like this, when we talk about our character and all this stuff, this is not just for us. What the spirit of this prayer is this. Lord, I ask all these things that I would be delivered from all these things and, and take up the easy yoke and be spirit-led and you'd be leading through. I do all of these things so that I can be of maximum service to you and to my fellow man. That I can be used in ministry is basically how this prayer ends. That I can be used by you. The sobriety is not for me. Not only for me, it's for the world. 
And so as God heals us and, and, and sobers us up to who we are and how we use our gifts, it's not for us. It's for the life of the world. Let's pray. God, thank you for this, the Holy Scriptures. Thank you for Romans 12. And we, I pray, Lord, right now we would um, in very practical ways begin to um, lean into some of these things even now as we begin to minister, uh, like this time of ministry, ministry time. And even right now, Lord, I want to slow down and, and listen. How is it that you might want to be leading us and how to pray and how to speak over each other or encourage each other. They don't have to be profound words. They don't necessarily have to be words of knowledge. It just could be a simple, I want to go and pray for you. And so, Lord, we, we ask God now that um, ministry would happen in this room. Prayer and, and um, response and Help us to be the body of Christ today. In Jesus' name, amen.